0: Only on Hulu.
1: Hello and welcome to the 1865 Match Report as we reflect on events at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium where Forrest lost 3-1 to Spurs, another away defeat for the Reds this season. And combined with results elsewhere, this now leaves Forests three points clear of the Premier League drop zone. They're 14th in the table, but things are starting to tighten up in that bottom seven. And again, Forests away form is providing reason for concern. 3-1 on the day, perhaps could have been more given the way that Forrest set up and the the chances that Spurs had. Likewise, Forest could have had the ball in the net a few more times themselves, but it wasn't to be. And Harry Kane with two more goals against Forest, having scored twice in the return fixture earlier in the season. And Hyung min Son for Spurs with the goals. Joe Worrell replied for Forest with about nine minutes left on the clock. It was in the end of consolation. And The final result was Spurs 3, Forest 1. I've got Tom with me to reflect on the game, and Tom was at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I suppose the best bit about the day from the Forest point of view was visiting a new ground and experiencing one of the best stadiums in the country, in Europe, etc. So how was the day, Tom, just before we go into team news and everything?
2: Um, Same old away day, really. (laughs) Um, good pre match, nice spanking new stadium. Um, all right, post match, we went down to Camden for, uh, like a few um drinks and something to eat, but yet again, forest on the road, absolute dross.
1: We'll go into the team news. So, two changes for forest from the Everton game Oral Mangala and Jesse Lingard came in for Jack Colback and Chris Wood, who both dropped to the bench. Also on the bench, George Selvey. He came in late on after Wayne Hennessy picked up an injury in the warm-ups. Nico Williams, Ryan Yates, Emmanuel Dennis, Danilo, and Andre Ayew. And also significantly, Musa Niacate back on the bench, back in a first-team squad for the first time in quite a few months now. He's been out, and that was a small positive, even if he wasn't on the pitch, certainly, to see him back in a matchday squad. But, Tom, when you saw the team news, Navas in goal, Aurier, Worrell, Felipe Lodi, Mangala, Froyle, Shelby, Johnson, Morgan, Gibbs, White and Lingard, what were your thoughts on the, on the team that started?
2: To be honest, I would have... I think the defence picks itself, even though... I've got reservations on the couple were in that back four um, on recent form. Um, I would have played Ryan Yates because when he come on against um, Everton, I thought he was like just that bit of grit what you needed. Um, so I was a bit surprised that he picked um, Mangala because I've been saying in recent weeks, Froyle Shelby and Cole back is too much of a likeness. It's um, a bit pedestrian. Etc. And so Mangala in there, I would have liked Yates in there, but I can see why he did it. But yeah, again, 45 minutes RL and he lasted one half and then he gets hooked at half time. So I know things have to change at half time. but it just seems that he starts and he just plays 45 minutes and without a lot, he was okay in the first half, but I think he was the full guy for how we, um, Competed against Spurs, especially that first half. But yeah, just for somebody who's cost twelve million from Stuttgart since uh, his injury, hasn't hasn't really been at it. Or just like I've seen him a bit, one pace and a lot of hesitation in his play, um, etc. I don't know if it's a confidence thing or match sharpness. But putting Ryan Yates in there, we know Yates has got limitations in his ability but somebody just to like ruffle a few feathers. And obviously that didn't happen in the first half.
1: It's ironic because one of Mangala's best performances in a Forest shirt was against Spurs in the League Cup game where he did a bit of everything really in that Forest midfield and started to look like that midfield general that we thought we'd brought in from Stuttgart. So again, he seems to be one who's, yeah, he's, he's... Exiting games early and being brought off. And if we're making if we need to make a change, he's normally one of the first who, you know, comes off and is, is changed around. But going into the first half, Forrest started slowly and were very nearly punished after three minutes when Richardson threw on goal, collecting a long pass through from Oliver Skip. He hammered the ball past Navas. He thought he'd scored Richarlison, but it went to VAR. It's marginal, but they gave him as offside and the goal didn't stand. And it might well have been a bit of a let off there for Forrest. But again, Forrest came into it, set up playing deep and, and trying to catch Spurs on the counter and very nearly got punished for it within minutes of kickoff.
2: Yeah, it was, it was the midfield was deeper. Basically, Shelby was on the toes of the two central halves, and he's trying to thread balls into Johnson, Gibbs White, and Lingard. When you got uh, Christian Romero, Eric Dyer, then he's got Hoyberg and Oliver Skibb It's a lot to thread a ball through to like three guys who are not necessarily the biggest on the pitch, and and I think that uh, that happened in the first three minutes yesterday. It got cut out. They just. Played a long diagonal ball in between, uh, well, towards our left-hand side, and um, yeah, Richardson just ran in. I thought he was uh, on side from where I was because we, we was on the where the corner flag is, so obviously we didn't have a side-on view. And I thought after two minutes, that's it's crap. It's it's just an easy diagonal ball. They should have closed down the channel. They didn't, and it was thankfully VAR. It was a let-off because. Um there was a nose hair offside and it was a brilliant finish but yeah it's just then in the game as the first half went we'll just keep giving these teams away from home a leg up and we're just giving ourselves far too much to do and it's just it, the fans what went yesterday we, it was what about 3,000 there or whatever and they work all week and you're going to get some fans who Unfortunately, couldn't get a ticket yesterday saying oh, I should be thankful it's a privilege, but it's getting frustrating where you're spending money, you're getting up early, it's a full day going down to London because we've had like three back to back London trips now, Fulham, West Ham, Spurs, respectively. And you, yeah, it's a full day. And yeah, it, it is, you have every intention of making it a good day, but as soon as that whistle blows, it's and, and how Spurs punished us on that. Uh, well, first attacking move from them and it's goal, but thankfully VAR intervened. It's just getting kind of frustrating now and it's it's just, sorry, it's it's crap, absolute crap. And just, we've just got a let-off, uh, to be honest, but yeah, it's just frustrating.
1: Given Spurs' well-documented issues at the moment and the, uh, the, the reports that they're unhappy with the manager and that Conte could be on his way out... Should Forrest have just gone for it more from the off and tried to attack Spurs and really try to unsettle them?
2: Yeah. Last week, Bournemouth um, ran into a 2-0 lead against Arsenal. At Arsenal, with how well-oiled machine Arsenal are this season compared to recent years, they had to go 2-0 up. All right, they lost the game and they probably just ran out of legs and and Arsenal's quality showing on the day. But you're going into Spurs... And they were going into like a... The Harmon is quite good at Arsenal at the moment, top of the league, and they're doing okay in Europe and everything, and Arteta's galvanised them. But Tottenham's like completely different. The manager doesn't really want to be there by all accounts. They've been knocked out of every cup competition. They're on the slide, etc. And there's a perfect opportunity for us to actually go to the um, Spurs yesterday and have a go, but we're so tentative and And it's like... <laughs> I'm probably going to sound like really cynical here, but, you know, on like a Friday when they leave for like an away trip and the kit man has to pack everything on the, the coach and it's like, oh, we've got that red carpet packed because that's what we seem to do at every away game. We'll get that red carpet, we we'll roll it out and we're just like, yeah, go, go on, you you, you play, you go and get a 2-0 um, lead against us and we'll give, we'll give you the three points. I mean, I know um, Liverpool had the early game yesterday against Bournemouth and I know the last, and obviously I think the fifth at the moment, Liverpool. But if you ask any Liverpool fans saying, "Do you think Forest will do your favour today?" They're going to say no. We're going to say no because we're just so tentative and naive away from home, and it's just it's, it's becoming embarrassing now. And um, like um, organisations like Talksport are absolutely laughing at us because of how pitiful we are, we are away from home.
1: Well, yeah, I, I, I saw the comments from Gabby Bon lahore which he's entitled to. I mean, I, I think he's going a bit over the top in some ways because he doesn't watch Forest week in, week out. And certainly at home, the form has been, and our performances have been so much better. You know, a, a team like Derby that we're utterly useless, that's a pathetic team. But, you know, away from home in the Premier League, I would argue that, yes, we make it more difficult for ourselves, but it's also harder to get points on the road. And especially yeah. if you're a promoted side. So,
2: yeah, yeah, I know it's, they say it's like one of the hardest things um, trying to get points on the road. And you I mean, last week, nobody um, got anything away from home. I think the only team who actually nearly got something away from home was um, Bournemouth. You look at everything else and it was all home wins, I believe. But um, yeah, just... I just think we've just got to stop being naive but this has been like the story of the season haven't we we've been saying it since like October when we played like Arsenal and teams like that Stop being naive and still, still keep doing it especially I mean two weeks ago played um, against West Ham and didn't play with one striker so it's like when the ball comes into the box your job is just to mark Danny Ings and he's managed to get like found him spo- with loads of space in the box and he scores two goals and like yesterday, I know Harry Kane's a better striker than Danny Ings, but Harry Kane, he's going to be in between the the goal. The cross comes in, walls there, Aurier's there. I don't even let a glove on him. I mean, it's yeah. a really good header. I'm not taking anything away from Harry Kane, but you, you've got to be better than that. The, the, cross, was,
1: the cross was also well-placed as well, Pedro Poro, yeah. is he There's six Forest players in that penalty box, but he still picks out Kane and Kane is that good. He'll turn that opportunity into a goal. We know how good he is from earlier on in the season. All he needs is a bit of service and, you know, he'll yeah. he'll punish you. So Forrest were 1-0 down after 19 minutes and, yeah, didn't really have much of a response. It was a little bit of the same, really, just trying to contain and try and keep the score down, which, yeah. They failed to do because on 35 minutes, Richarlison was played in down the, the right-hand side of the penalty area. He's approaching the byline. Joe Worrell slides in, clatters Richarlison, takes him out, and it's a penalty. And as much as I'm a fan of Joe, I, I can't really defend the decision he made there. Instead of staying on his feet, he's dived in. He's given Richarlison the opportunity to see where he's coming knock the ball past him and and go down. And again, a bit I think a bit of naivety there in in terms of how Forrest have defended.
2: Yep. Very, very naive. Um when it was happening, you know, for thought I'm sliding, I thought this is only going to go one way. And Shalison, he's he's gonna have a like a look, see where Joe Worrell is. He's gone to ground. Just slow your run up a bit or not just knock the ball past him. And it's a penalty. And you get taught from uh, kids football, teenage football, Sunday league football, 5 side stay on your feet when you're in a box, especially against somebody who's quicker than you. And Joe slid in and there was a guy behind me says, oh, uh, lay off him, he's uh, he's only young. Come on, he's he's, tw- he's 26, 27 now. He's played in the SPL, he's played European football. He's had half a season in the um, in the Premier League. A, and then he got taken out of the side earlier in the season because of obviously naivety in his play, and he does that yesterday, and he just—I just, mean, I was hoping that we could get to halftime one-nil, regroup, make some changes, but no, you—you've done that. Just hold him up. If—if if he goes past you, that's just Richarlison's quality. But well, you've, you've slid in like a madman, and richarlison has gone over. He's going to obviously go and try and win the penalty because I'm not saying he's a cheater or anything because it was a penalty but that's in South American footballers culture if they're going to make a situation into their favour they're going to go down in the box we've seen it for years and he does that and it's okay. I think it's his first penalty since that one he missed at the World Cup against France and he's not going. he's not going to miss it there is he so I know he missed one no. earlier in the season but as for you basically just gifting them the three points here. And um, and I don't think Spurs have to work too hard to get the two-goal lead before half-time. And I just think it's naive naive play by Joe. I think he'd he'd be the first one to realise that. But if you go to the embankment this morning or Vernon Park and you watch a quick w- w- uh, winger run into the box, nine times out of ten the defenders are not going to go to ground. They're going to shepherd him out of play, either try and win a goal kick for yourselves or win a corner, then you regroup for the corner. But no, Joe tried to uh, try to be um, win the ball in. ultimately he's got it completely wrong. And it's just naive. It, to be honest, it's diabolical defending from somebody who's meant to be a Premier League footballer.
1: Well, that made it 2-0 to Spurs. And it was looking like it was going to be another long away day for Forrest. There was a bit of a response from the Reds towards the back end of the first half. What how much of that was to do with Spurs sitting back on a two nil lead? Pretty comfortable. Well you could you could make that argument, but Forrest forced a couple of corners and forced Spurs back a little bit before the break, but it was two nil at half time. In the second half it was a little bit of the same Forest made changes, well, Steve Cooper made changes immediately on half-time, bringing on Andre Ayu and Emmanuel Dennis for Oral Mangala and Jesse Lingard. That was a more attacking move from Steve Cooper, and it did look to pay off because Forrest looked more dangerous with Dennis and Ayu on the pitch and looked like they had a bit more attacking threat about them.
2: Andre Ayew look good when he come on, and Emmanuel Dennis, um, for that matter, because in the last few weeks we've seen Emmanuel Dennis come on. His decision making sometimes is a bit off, and you are going to get fans out there who absolutely dislike Emmanuel Dennis. Won't give him any credit or anything, but and I did put on Twitter last night saying he should start the next game, Dennis, because he's show. There is definitely a player in there, and I just think it might be a matter of he needs a run of games. Um, get his confidence up, and I mean, I'm not going to put him in the like the same bracket as Gibbs, White, and and Johnson. But Manuel Dennis, the last couple of games, he's, he's actually looked quite lively and looked quite threatening. And Andre uh, had a few decent touches, but uh, yeah, um, something I had to give at um, half time. Lingard, for whatever reason, I know he's come back from an injury, but he just didn't look at the races and. Like I says, I don't want to speculate if he's carrying anything, but he just like he looked well off it yesterday. Um, and then another observation I made is that Fuller looked quite decent in our in our midfield. Without being spectacular, he was like a a good working cog in there. And ever since Shelby's come into the side, and Shelby basically drops deep to pick the ball up and tr- dictate the play, he's on the toes of the centre halves and made a look absolutely redundant and Frawler at times he doesn't know where to go because Shelby's um, quite deep. Frawler's not going to go into like the attacking third, so what's his job at the moment? And I think he's, he's suffering from it. He looks lost. He looks like he's chasing shadows, um, this, that and the other. And yeah, I think since the or um, well, since we made the signings in January, Our play looks like it's regressed. Like just after the World Cup, I know we lost against Man United, but we looked all right. We've got that 4 1 against Blackburn. Okay, Blackburn are in the league, but they're doing okay. We've got a 4 1 win there. And we looked all right against Southampton and um, Leicester. But yeah, it just seems that since Felipe's coming to the side and Shelby's coming to the side, we don't look as slick. We look quite pedestrian. And I, I think that's having a detrimental look effect of how we're playing at the moment and I don't think we've won in five or six games now and it's it's getting a bit worrying because we all know our waveform isn't great but we haven't won I know the last um, few games was we've had Man City in that but yeah we are we just seem to be regressing in how we're playing compared to what it was just after the World Cup
1: How much of that is down to missing Ryan Yates though so, because in the last two games where he's come on here at Spurs and against Everton last week, he immediately made a difference. There looked to be more energy in the midfield and just more grit in there.
2: Yeah, whether we we know about regarding his undisclosed injury and we don't know um, the full details of it so whether it's just a matter of building back his match fitness and obviously giving him a bit here and giving him a bit there but yeah in the last two games since he's um, made an appearance he's been pretty much fantastic in terms of just breaking up the play and just being in in the position what we are we're not like a man City. we're not so we can't have these luxury midfielders where they don't do a great deal so you need like a bit of grit in there I mean if you look at Everton um, they've got Typical Sean Darch performance last week. They got a bit of grit in there, and they've got four win. Uh, sorry, four points out the last two games, and they've got themselves out the relegation zone just by that bit of grit and determination. It might not be free flowing football, but just a bit of grit in there just to break the play up and everything. Can you going to get that from Ryan Yates? And I reckon that he will start against Newcastle on Friday night.
1: It will be interesting to see how. You know Ryan Yates plays alongside John Joe Shelby, for example, or, and, and Remo Freuler. Hopefully, as well, Chiate is going to be back soon, and that will give Forrest more options in that midfield. But coming back to coming back to Spurs for a moment, even though Forrest had had that decent spell at the start of the second half, Brennan Johnson forcing a a low save from. Fraser Forster and Forrest just generally looking a bit more threatening. Spurs made it 3-1 on 62 minutes. It was Richarlison had the ball right-hand side of the penalty area. He crossed it. Aurier comes to try and head it away, he misses the ball uh, and Song controls, puts it on his left foot and drills it low past Keylor Navas. And, I think the the general consensus was that that third goal killed it. To make it 3-0 was pretty much nailing the coffin from Forrest's point of view, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, we we tried to like get back into the game and obviously left ourselves wide open and they punished the space what we um, vacated. So, yeah, yeah the game was killed off with Young Menson um scoring and and everything and so yeah, you, I think yeah, um, Steve Cooper mentioned on his uh, post-match interview yesterday that it's probably like one of those things what's going to happen when you're trying to chase the game. But like I says, that I think the damage was done in the first half, uh, to be honest, with those um, two goals, what we conceded.
1: Boris made a couple more changes. Chris Wood came on for Brennan Johnson, who looks like he picked up some sort of strain. We'll wait to see what the situation is with that. And Ryan Yates, he came on for Remo Freuler. However, Chris Wood picked up a knock within seconds of coming onto the pitch. It In Steve Cooper's post-match interview, he talks about it being like a hematoma. He said it looked quite bad. But what it meant was that Chris Wood, the substitute, was then substituted for Nico Williams. And Forrest have now, by the looks of it, lost yet another player to injury. Um. I know some people will probably think that's a bit of a blessing when it comes to Chris Wood, but the point is, it's another injury for Forrest, another depletion of the squad. And how much can Forrest do when they've got so many injuries still? Do we have the personnel to attack away games? Home games are different because we've got the crowd and we've got that home advantage. But away from home, have we got the players to really have a go at teams and try and try and get wins on away from home.
2: Yeah, you, you kind of you're looking at the, the fixture list, and I mean Newcastle have been on a bit of a wretched um, run of form um, before the uh, Cowboy Cup final, and and since, and I know they play Wolves today, but you're looking at the remaining fixtures and where we're going to get wins at home and where we're going to get anything away from home. and I mean, we've got Villa and Leeds uh, to come up in the next few away games, but then we've still got to go to Chelsea, we've still got to go to Brentford, which we've gone on record before. I'm not Brentford's, um, I'm not an advocate of um, Brentford as a football club, but it's a hard place to go at the uh, at the stadium. Um, and then obviously... I just sincerely hope that we don't have to uh, get something away at Crystal Palace on the final game of the season. But but going back to the injuries, um, yeah, I've I've been really disappointed with Chris Wood. I know he's got his goal against Man City, which we're thankful for. But, I mean, at the moment, for whatever reason, Steve Cooper just doesn't fancy uh, Sam Soaridge. He wasn't on the bench yesterday, but he was a travelling party because I saw him get off the coach. But um, we don't know how long Taro or is out for if Chris Wood's out for uh, a number of weeks and you don't know the um, extent of Brennan Johnson's groin injury as what uh, Steve Cooper alluded to, he, he basically you're getting certain players back, you check Q, Q, Ate and uh, Moussini Akate, but then at the other end where you want to score goals, we haven't got anybody there. I mean, Andre Ayou, he's, when he's come on, he, he's looked all right, but his penalty, what he... What we got yesterday after a VAR decision from a handball from Dejan Kulebeski, penalty was weak. And that probably summed up what our waveform has been like this season.
1: Yeah, just having a look at the, the penalty and just before it. So Forrest had a couple of corners from one of them, from Morgan Gibbs-White, Serge Aurier forced a great safe reaction stop from Fraser Forster, tipping the ball over the bar. That would have made it 3-1. Emmanuel Dennis then had an effort saved low by Forster. But with 81 minutes on the clock, Forrest did get a goal back. Another corner from Morgan Gibbs-White. flicked on by Felipe. Joe Worrell at the back post coming in. Nods it into the net for 3-1. And At least it was something at that point. It felt like it was something for the travelling fans to at least have a bit of a cheer about. Uh, yeah. I, you know.
2: <laughs> Minus me, I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't cheer because, like I says, it was just the game was gone then. And there's somebody um, on social media saying, "Oh, well, Joe Wall should have celebrated because he scored his like first Premier League goal." And it's like, well, no, because one, if he was celebrating, he would have been rubbing our noses in it. And like I wasn't a fan of Joe at performance uh, yesterday, which I mentioned earlier on. And so he probably did the like sensible thing and just get back in position and um, and obviously get ready for the kickoff. But um, yeah, it is. It um, Felipe's flicked it. Um, I think Forster's come out, missed the punch. Felipe's flicked it on, and there's Jay Ward headed it in. But like I says, we all know the game was uh, done then. But then we got the we got the penalty, and it would have been nice to stick that away because the scoreline wouldn't look as well. We all know what the performance was, and it wasn't good enough, but. This performance might have like people outside not even thinking. Oh, they've had a bit of a mini fight back. Probably too little, too late. But yeah, I just I'm probably old school. I, I want a penalty taker to actually just walk, run up, and hit it like Julian Dix used to do for West Ham. But uh, you're doing, trotting around, messing about, and and he missed. And I would have liked to seen Gibbs White probably take the penalty because Johnson was off at that point but his penalty record's records not too great is it? I mean he missed that one in the playoffs against us last season and in the end he just got the one pass Jose Sar uh, this season in the Cowboy Cup against Wolves so uh, but if I use as I'm taking it and try and get off the mark but the penalty was, was crap wasn't it to be honest it's, it's yeah you
1: a nice yeah. height for the keeper, wasn't it? And, yeah. you know, it, was, it wasn't It was the most powerful. I, I mean, the no. the penalty came off the back of a long VAR check, which yeah. when you then watch the replay back, it's clear that Kulosevsky punches the ball away. Yeah. Is, it seems quite an obvious one. I suppose they would have been looking, was it, in the box, given it was right on the edge. Yeah,
2: but... and you don't know where the referee um, was off. Craig Pawson yesterday, the referee... Yeah. Um... And if he's got players in front of him blocking the view, then obviously he's probably had to ask VAR, can you have a look at that? Or VAR says you need to have a look at this. And he did and looked at the screen and gave the penalty. But um, like I said, the damage was done in the first half of how tepid we were.
1: And in the end, the game finished 3-1. The RU penalty, had it gone in, might have set up a bit of a grandstand finish in the final few moments. But... As it, as it was, the game petered out to a, a 3-1 defeat for Forrest, another loss on the road, and, yeah, I think another disappointing day for the Travelling Reds fans. We'll now hear the opposition view on the game. It's over to JP from the Cheese Room podcast.
3: Hey, guys, JP from the Cheese Room here. Ooh, Tottenham hot and cold spur, eh? Uh, look, firstly, unlucky to you lot, the scheduling gods have really conspired against you here. They've given the team with the league's worst away record a trip to the usually pretty reliable Dr. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on the very same day that they scheduled Spurs to actually turn up for a match. I'm looking around going, where was that hunger and desire for the rest of the season? We certainly could have done with that midweek. Um, look, for me, that was one of the best first halves, if not games, that we've put together in a long time particularly from an energy and desire perspective. Um, look, we were probably helped out a bit by Forrest not being that great on the day and struggling to retain the ball, but I thought Richarlison and Skippy in particular really set the tone for the way the team went about it. Richarlison had the bit between his teeth. He was probably pretty eager to prove to Conte and maybe even the Forrest fans after he did that thing uh, last time out. Uh, but for me, he was the man of the match, and Skippy... Mate, he was like a Garbo on Boxing Day. Just constantly recycling the ball didn't give you a chance in that first half, and, and Hoybier was excellent next to him as well. Um, as for a Charlison, if that goal is offside, then football is done, and I know it's the same for every team at the minute, and offside is offside, and not offside is not offside, but for me, that's everything that's wrong with VAR. There needs to be some kind of advantage to the attacking team, and if you take that long to split hairs over a decision... It's level. It's onside. Let it go. Um, but I think we need to fix that moving forward. But as for the goals actually did stand, I thought our first was great. There's pure determination from Richie and Davies. Uh, a lovely little cross from Porro, and then Harry leaps like a salmon and does what Harry does. The second, I think your defender's done us a massive favour. I don't think Richarlison was going to be able to cut the ball back in time to make an accurate cross to find someone. But he's gone down. He's timed it badly. It's a pen all day. Then the third, great little bit of play from Harry and Richarlison down the right, uh, but Jonjo Shelby's had an absolute mare. He's like Conte trying, when asked about uh, whether he's going to be around at Spurs anymore, just no commitment at all. Looks like a deer in headlights in that one, and Sonny's just allowed to dance, pie him, and score. I thought Forrest had a few good moments uh, later in the second half. I think they had a bit of joy down the left, uh, and Gibbs-White started to come into it a little bit more, but... Um, Good little piece of play on the set piece, but i got to say it was poor defending from our defenders in the end as well. A few heart and mouths um, when that penalty was given, but I think in the end the scoreline was probably a fair reflection of how the game had gone, and yeah, happy to come out of that with the points and the performance. As for you guys and the rest of the season, look, I won't lie, I think it's probably going to be a tight battle between yourselves and probably Bournemouth as to who joins Southampton and i'm gonna say leeds in that bottom three i think the good thing for you all is that you play plenty of the teams around you still so i think it's very much in your hands and to be honest i really hope you do it it's great having forest back in the premiership so all the best
1: for the rest of the season and now we will hear another view on the game our very own jeremy davis was in attendance at the tottenham hotspur stadium so over to jeremy
4: after Ashley Young, Willian and Declan Rice had all ended scoring droughts against Forrest this season, I had a feeling that something was going to give at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. When my Spurs supporting friend was lamenting their inability to score in the first half, I predicted a goal in the opening five minutes, but that didn't make me feel any better when Richarlison scored. VAR, of course, came eventually to our rescue, prompting an angry response from the Tottenham fans in what was a febrile atmosphere in the ground after recent setbacks. But if there was one word which summed up Forrest's performance for me, it would be naivety. I coach an under-12s team, and I've expected them to sort out the problems out wide in the first half. In fact, it really did seem to be men against boys at times, with players doing clever things in the wrong part of the pitch, trying to beat one man too many, and of course, making silly tackles in and around the area. It was good to get an away goal, good that we drew the second half, and you could say that we were a bit unlucky, especially on the third goal. But really, when every 50-50 ball looks more like a 70-30, you can say with some certainty that the performance doesn't add up to 100%.
0: Match
1: report. Thank you to JP and thank you to Jeremy. So, do you want it finished on the day? Steve Cooper, in his post-match interview, was unhappy with the way that Forrest competed, particularly in that first half. And it's hard to disagree with him, if we're honest. But can he do more to turn that around? Or is that on the players? Out on the pitch, are they giving up too easily?
2: Yeah, I think they're absolutely fragile at the moment. As soon as that first goal goes in, um, there's Gibbs White was having like a a bit of a heated argument with uh, REA about who's meant to be picking up how he came because he got in between Warren, and uh, and so that's happening. But the players have got to take full responsibility of how fragile they are, and, and I'm not like condoning, but you can see why the fragility is there because of how we've performed away from home this season. Um, but I think, I know he's got a lot of credit in the bank and I'm not going to, um, I don't want to criticise him and I don't like criticising him, but tactically, I think we've we've got to change something away from home. At, um, at home, we're fine because obviously the form speaks for itself of how we've done in recent months, but away from home, we've got to... I think we've got to set up differently. We've got to play differently. we are got to start having a go at teams rather than being tepid and tentative um, in the early stages of the game and go at teams. Um, but I think the midfield is too much of a likeness. I mean, in recent weeks, he's played Shelby, Froyla and Colback and it's so pedestrian. There's nobody, who, to be honest, wants to break the lines. And I mean, it's going to be incredibly hard against Spurs yesterday to break the lines. If Shelby's sitting so deep and he's got a lot further ball pass, Hoiberg's skipped, then you've got mm-hmm. Christian Romero and Oak Out, Out Dyer um, mopping up. So, and then, like I said earlier, I think because Shelby's coming to the side, he's made Ford absolutely redundant and he's been a shadow of his, his former self, how he was in the last, uh, well, a few months before Shelby turned up. I think we got midfield, we, we've got to... We've, We've got to do something. I think we'll I think what happens is is that we'll get the ball, we're trying to thread it through the, the full backs push on to obviously try and help whoever's playing on the left and and Brendan Johnson on the right. And as soon as that ball gets kicked um gets uh, cut out, they're just targeting the space what we vacated and and we'll then you've got obviously Warrell coming into a full back position and with what happened with Richarlison and you've got Felipe and I think we tactically we've got to be better. And I think that's on Steve Cooper's head. I mean, we're forever so thankful for what he's done and get us into this position. But I think we've just got to have like a different mindset and a different way of playing away from home because the longer this carries on, we're putting so much pressure on ourselves in the home games. And all right, we played Man City in, before the Everton game, but we only managed at all against Everton. And we've had to come back twice. From being a, um, a goal behind and it's getting to a point where we're going to be playing against the likes of um, Man United, Arsenal and Newcastle and some people might call it a free hit in previous um, weeks and months but it's getting to a point where we've got to get a result on uh, Friday and, and Newcastle, I know they've been in a bit of a poor run of form but you know, I know it's, they're a, a decent side we've got to get this get a result because there's nothing in our way from to suggest that can help us out. So we've got to start getting back to winning ways at home at the moment.
1: I don't think there's any reason why we can't get points against Newcastle either, given that we've taken points off Chelsea, Manchester City and beaten Liverpool at home this season. And given that Newcastle haven't been as convincing recently as they were earlier in the season. I think there is an opportunity for Forest.
2: Yeah, there's definitely an opportunity. I just think because of how Paul away from home, we're putting like um, immense pressure on ourselves at home. And I just thought last Sunday against Everton, there was times where um, there's a lot of anxiety in the crowd and a lot of tension. You could smell the tension just by walking into the ground last Sunday and and like I says, they scored. Uh, they, well, they got a penalty, and then we managed to get ourselves in the game with that um, goal from Johnson. Then they scored with uh, Decoré, and we managed to get two all. But yeah, I just think the crowd last week was there was a lot of tension in there. And and like I says, there's no reason why we can't get a result against Newcastle if how we performed against the better sides at home. But um, yeah, it's getting to a point where we've got to get something because obviously um, our waveform isn't uh, digging us out at the moment.
1: And it's Forrest's last game before the international break. So it's an opportunity to try and go into that break and get some more points on the board. I think the international break might come at a good time. It'll hopefully give Forrest an extra week or two to get, players back towards fitness and more time for Steve Cooper just to spend time with them on the training ground. What do you want to see Forrest do against Newcastle? Do you want to see personnel changes or formation uh, it, changes to to respond to what happened at Spurs?
2: Yeah, it all depends on who's available because of injuries or whatever. So, um, yeah, like I said, if, if Neocard is fit to be on the bench yesterday, And with our current injury situation, then he's fit to start in my eyes. Because if the same situation happened yesterday, if uh, either Felipe or Wall broke down, injured in the first five minutes, then he would have to play. So if he's fit, I mean, he's not coming back from like a a knock here. He's coming back from a long-term injury. So if Steve Cooper feels like he's fit to be on the bench and with how our injury form has been, then he should be able to start. So I'd, I'd like to see Nierkate back next week and in place of Joe Worrell. And I'd like to see Yates in the midfield just to give us a bit of uh, a bite. And then I I think it might be a week too soon. But if Tyro or one is, it'd be nice to see him in the squad. Not necessarily start because he's another one who hasn't played for the last two or three months since Southampton away. So, but... Yeah, I haven't got too many concerns of how we play at home because we, we do attack teams and we and we do start um, quite brightly um, at home. But it all uh, comes down to who's available. But I'd, like I like I'd like to see Missini Akate for his leadership skills alone, and um, and hopefully Javier's in uh, in the midfield with. I think it's it will be with Throalu and shelvey but just give you a bit of bite in there and give you a platform to actually win the midfield battle and and everything so um, so yeah that's what I would like to see next week but obviously I just hate that the injury to um, Brennan Johnson was more precaution rather than anything else because if we lose Brennan Johnson for any amount of time I think we're screwed to be honest because he's been digging us out in the last few months
1: Yeah and Everton's an example of that isn't it where his two goals were crucial in Forest getting a point. So we'll wait and see on Brennan this week. We'll wait and see on the likes of Nia Carte and Yates and whether they will feature also against Newcastle. We'll wrap it up there. Thank you, Tom. And thank you to our Spurs fan, JP, from the Cheese Room podcast. Thank you also to Jeremy Davis for your views on the game. And finally, thank you to you, listener, for joining us. We will be back with you next weekend with our match report after the Newcastle game. So do join us then.